0: Hello and welcome to SlyCast, the Sylvester Stallone fan podcast, the only podcast that celebrates and analyzes the career of Sylvester Stallone. As always, I'm your host, Craig Cohen, and I have with me Jeff Ferry. God would have mercy. He won't. <laughs> and Jeff Hewlett.
1: Oh, Jeff Ferry stole my line. <laughs> that's a that first. I'm getting soft.
0: Uh, Okay, that's a good one, Jeff. That's a good one. So yes, this episode we are talking about Rambo 3 from 1988. And I got to be honest, guys, Rambo 3 is not a movie that I've held in in very – I haven't really regarded it much at all. In my opinion, it's the lesser of all the Rambo movies. And I got to say, watching it for this sit-down, I came away with a little bit more of an appreciation for it. But I also understood – what my problems with the movie are. Do you guys want to just go over real quick your general thoughts on where you are with Rambo 3 before you sat
2: down for this recording, Uh, Jeff Berry? I had a very similar experience. I I have always thought of this movie, this was like, this was the garbage movie of the franchise. 1 and 2 were very good films, and then, like, I I I probably haven't even seen Rambo 3 in 10 years. Like, I had it in so low esteem. I started watching it for this podcast, and for like the first half hour, I'm like, okay, I was totally wrong about this movie. It's, it's building up. It's going really well. And then when it hits about the second act, you start to realize, oh, okay, I see what it is. It's not, it's not terrible, but it's a lot more 80s action movie paint by numbers. It's like, okay, action set piece, action set piece, action set piece. And this is the first time I think I've had this particular complaint about a Stallone movie. It felt a little long to me. It really felt like they could have taken ten minutes out. Like the ending, it just drags and drags, and that's the one of the I, that's one complaint I've never really had about his movies, and I had it about this one.
0: Yeah, and and that's a fair a fair criticism, and we'll get into that when we sort of run the movie down, Jeff Hewlett.
1: This is a sly cast record because I think all three of us had a very similar experience uh, rewatching this movie. So I'm like like the two of you guys, I can't even remember the last time I watched. Uh, Rambo 3, it's gotta be, I I don't even, way long ago, at least 10 years or more. And, um, you know, funny, because I bought the box set, and I just didn't watch it again, and I I even it was so long, I couldn't remember why I didn't like it. So, you know, sitting down and watching it, I kind of had a similar lead-in, as Jeff Ferry did, where I kind of felt at the beginning, like, okay, you know, it's it's not as bad as I want to remember it being, and I think when I came out at the end of it, I felt the same way about, they could have tightened it up a bit. There seemed to be a lot of wasted time. Uh, you know, some we'll get more into that in the commentary, of course. But um and it was a it was a strange Rambo. He's not I think Rambo in this movie is markedly different character wise than he is in the pro the other three movies in the franchise. And hopefully he'll be you know the old Rambo we know and love in you know the new Rambo film. But I felt like he was a little softer. There's a little too much humor inserted in the movie here and totally. there. And there's tons of it that I've, I've kind of made notes of. Uh, I'm sure we'll all point it out when we get there. And, um, yeah, it, it, it feels overly long to me, too, just like like Jeff Ferry said. So, um, you know, save some stuff for the commentary. But uh, same exact boat as the two of you.
0: Yeah, the, the humor was really what sort of was the most off-putting for me. And mm-hmm. that was really what made me realize, you know, ultimately – why I sit where I do with that movie because tonally it seems so far removed. I mean, there might be little bits of humor in First Blood. First Blood Part 2 is is a pretty humorless movie. Yep. Um and then of course Rambo is, you know, it's got some, you know, you've got that crew of guys, you know, the mercenaries and there's some humor derived from that, but this felt a little just too too much on that side. So, we'll get on uh into all of that. So the movie filmed between August 87 and December 87, and it shot uh, in Thailand, the, uh, the opening sequences, and then most of it was shot in Israel, and actually parts of uh, it were filmed in Pakistan, and the final scenes were shot at the Fort Yuma Indian Reservation in Yuma, Arizona. So um, that's another thing about this movie that makes it a little unique is the, I guess that desert mountain setting which is is really weird to see rambo in when you're used to seeing him in the in the jungles so before we get in the movie we sort of have a special treat for people we've talked with and about or we've talked about rambo mania before and the work that matt is doing on rambo mania it's it's a really great thing that he's doing over there and if you're a fan of rambo it's definitely something you need to listen to but what we did is, um, of course, Matt's also talked about us on his show, but sitting down for this one, since we had finally connected, we thought it would be a great idea to bring Matt on to just talk about Rambo uh, 3 a little bit. And what we wanted him to focus on was the alternate scripts that were floating around for Rambo 3 and also the novelization that Rambo creator David Morrell wrote. So before we get into our, our commentary, if you will, uh, our discussion of Rambo 3, let's go to the discussion we had with Matt from Rambo Mania. Matt, thank you so much for joining us to talk about uh, the scripts and the novelization of Rambo 3.
3: Thank you, guys. This is This is just like an honor. This is amazing.
0: Oh wait! Hey, excellent, excellent. So, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about Rambo Mania for those people who haven't checked out the show yet?
3: Um, it's it's basically just a place where Rambo fans can kind of come um, to either share, you know, their Rambo art or learn about Rambo or you know just hang out and learn different things from the Rambo mythos. And it's not just from like the Stallone universe or the Stallone paradox, but it's kind of like a mishmash of all the different paradoxes in, in chronological order.
0: All right, all right. And was that your entry point into Stallone fandom, or were you already a Stallone fan when you discovered Rambo?
3: Um, I've been a Stallone fan since, since like, really, really, really young. Um, first Blood was probably one of the, the movies I first saw that I, I took really seriously, like, one of the first adult movies I saw. And I was pretty young. I was maybe... I guess seven somewhere around there and it just it just hit me as such a powerful movie and so when it came time to you know try and do something different I was doing music for a long time I decided to try my hand at podcasting and it was just kind of a a no-brainer that I should maybe try to do it on on something Rambo related because I was going I was trying to like look around and I couldn't I, I could find a lot of Rambo stuff but There was just not that one-stop shop place to go and see everything Rambo, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah, totally. And that's what's so great about your show. I know when I was doing initial research for our our First Blood and our First Blood Part 2 episode, you know, Google is what ultimately led me to find your show and and, and the information that you provided. And you've talked to author David Morrell. Can you talk a little bit about how that interaction happened?
3: Um, it's really cool. Uh, like, when I first started uh, working on Rambo Mania, ironically, I didn't know that there was a second or third Rambo novelization. And I was, like, looking up different things because I was going to kick it back to First Blood initially, you know? So I remember reading that book when I was younger, so I was like, okay, that's going to be my starting point of of um, kind of reviewing First Blood and giving my take on it. And then I saw some other uh, interviews with him, and I came across uh, First Blood Part 2 and, and the Rambo 3 novelization. So I was like, oh, this is this is really awesome. So I ordered them right away, and then um, I, I just dove into them right away as soon as I got them. And pretty much, um, I just sent, uh, in, I was talking to some other people who I had on the show at the time, and. And uh, they were like, you should reach out and, and try to talk to David Morrell. So I sent him a message, and uh, when his schedule cleared up, he was. Uh, we were actually getting ready to do the novelization for First Blood Part Two, and he, at the same time, was getting ready to reissue uh, back in stores First Blood Part Two. So, you know, it was a really weird coincidence. And he was like, okay, well. I would like to come on and talk about it. So that's pretty much how that happened. It was a dream come true to have that.
0: Yeah, it's it's really great. And, and it's, it's great that he's so in tune with the Stallone take on the character and so accepting of it. I, I know his commentary tracks he did for the DVDs. You know, he speaks really highly of of what Stallone did for the character and how he approached it. So it's good to see an author that sort of embraces that, as opposed to saying, "Oh, they ruined my book" or whatever.
3: <laughs> yeah, and he's just really like a really really cool guy. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. totally. I, I've
0: heard him on on some other podcasts as well, and uh, I've read a lot of his work related to Rambo, the introductions he did for the e versions of uh, or the reissues. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it was really cool. I remember when I discovered the, uh, a paperback version of First Blood P- part two in the store and I picked it up and I said, wow, this is fascinating. The fact that an author would write the novelization of a sequel, um, that, you know, to a, a book uh, that he wrote that was turned into a movie. Very, very neat indeed, and and, and I know I'm going to get a little scattershot here, but before we get into the the real meat of the Rambo 3 talk I wanted to do with you, mm-hmm. way back in October here on the Slycast, we talked about Rambo Last Blood um, and how it was supposed to start filming later that month in, yeah. in uh, Louisiana. And then re- uh, today, in fact, um, as we're recording this, Stallone, I guess, officially quote-unquote announced that they were going to do Last Blood and it was kind of interesting that people were like I guess amazed at the fact that they they had a movie called Last Blood that was going into production. Do you have any info to share with us regarding where
3: the production stands right now? Um well I I tried to really dig down into it when uh when the first when they first kind of announced it before October, I think back in September. Um so I I really looked into it like I went on the new, uh, uh, the new Image Millennium site or Facebook page, um, got like a map, even went down to getting map coordinates to kind of check out where around they would be filming in, uh, in Schlabenport. Um, and I, I kind of like, I even uh, submitted um, my resume to go to work as an, uh, like an extra down there and all that. But um, I think I think as of now they're just they're filming Creed right, and then they're gonna delve into Rambo after. I th- I I believe like before it was supposed to be Rambo then Creed, and now it's Creed then Rambo.
0: Yeah, and the interesting thing about that is I had seen some pictures earlier, and and I'm I'm connected to so many Stallone people on Facebook. I don't remember if it was on. Um who's who posted pictures of it but it was Stallone looking very very sort of gaunt um and and thin for I guess Creed and I guess there's rumor that there's a cancer storyline involving Rocky and Creed
3: I I heard I heard that a lot yeah I heard um I heard that Rocky would be dying in this movie Yeah and there's been a couple of um interviews I I'd, I'd say over the last 15 or 16 months where where Stallone has hinted to both killing off Rocky and and killing off Rambo
0: yeah and and that's a discussion we can we can get into um, I guess um in future episodes especially when we talk about I guess Rambo 4 John Rambo whatever you want to call it and Rocky 5 which originally had Rocky dying but the interesting thing about this cancer storyline is um, it looks like Stallone's starting to train for Rambo, and as we know when he made the last Rambo movie, he was his biggest that he's ever been on screen so yeah. to see that he's training now makes me wonder if if his part in Creed might not be as big as we as we think
3: well well he's been hinting at um not a, not necessarily a cameo but he's been hinting at like a very minuscule role um with
0: Creed. All right, so yeah, definitely. So so people uh, are definitely going to want to stay in tune with, with the Rambo Mania. Uh, you put up shows almost every week, right?
3: Yeah, I, I took a little break. <laughs> I took a little break for like a week a week or two just so I can get the uh, the Rambo 3 stuff ready because we're going to be looking at um, like an alternate. Well, the original intended version of, of Rambo 3 and then um, the next version of Rambo 3, which was kind of like... The version before the movie that we saw, right, and a couple of different other takes on it, like the TV uh, print and and um, the deleted scenes and different things like that.
0: So yeah, before we do that, let's make sure that people know. So uh, your show is accessible over on YouTube under the Studio Red Band heading. Yes. Yeah. All right, and we'll, we'll link to that here in the uh, in the show notes. Thank you.
1: All right, well, I think that was a, a perfect uh, segue there since we kind of started to get into the Rambo 3 stuff a little bit there at the end. Uh, we, we understand that you have some information about those alternate Rambo 3s that, that could have been?
3: Yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. When I got the the Rambo 3 novelization, the um, in the introduction, there's a little talk about what they were originally going to do. They were going to have... David Morell write the script. So David Morell wrote the original first draft and sent it in. And then, you know, it it went on for a time where they didn't really get back to him about anything. And then when he finally heard, I think it was on TV or something, he finally heard uh, that they were doing Rambo 3. Pretty much the whole plot had changed. Hmm. Wow. So what did that
0: initial Morrell script look like?
3: Um it, it took place in in America. Rambo was in um he was working on skyscrapers and it led back to his uh native roots a little bit more. Um how uh a lot of, you know, high high-rise construction people uh companies would have Native Americans working there because they were good with altitudes. And It had Rambo, like, high above the city, like the introduction to Rambo, high above the city, um, where he could be alone and, you know, working up there. And then it it dove into this uh, really cool story with Troutman where he would be going to South America to talk about some things at the UN and... He brings his family along because they don't think it's going to be like that big of a deal. He brings his family along and then, um, I don't know what the right word for it. I don't want to say terrorists. I'll say extremists take over the embassy that they're at. And Troutman's wounded. The daughter is kidnapped. And uh, long story short, Rambo meets up with the wife. And uh, they they take on they take on the bad guys.
1: Hmm. That yeah. sounds pretty interesting. Uh,
2: now, uh, this may just be me, but I feel like there is a is there an alternate script for every Rock and Rocky? Oh my goodness! Oh, every uh, Rambo installment. <laughs> um. I I know the first one had like twenty scripts or something like that.
3: Or something.
2: I, yeah, because every time I've tried to look it up, I mean, you can find script after script after script. Yeah. And it's just, it's crazy how many directions the franchise could have gone. Mm -hmm.
3: Well, I I wanted to initially get my hands on this script. Once I read that premise, and and there's a part in it where it says that uh, eventually one scene, we find out that Troutman's wife, you know, that Troutman taught her how to use automatic weapons, and there's like a shot where her and Rambo are coming down a corridor, gunning down people, or gunning down the bad guys, and... There's explosions going on behind them and stuff. And I was just like, "Wow, I gotta get this." So I contacted David, and I asked him if he still had this script. And he said that uh, unfortunately, uh, back then they didn't let them keep the scripts, and he didn't have um he didn't have a copy. And because of Coralco going uh, bankrupt, that he, you know, it, it's a really it would be really hard to find that script now.
0: Wow, that that's amazing. That's I guess a, a holy grail um, Stallone fan find uh, if there ever is one. Now, I, I know that offline me and you talked about a Rambo of Arabia, for lack of a better word. Is that another alternate script that's floating around?
3: Rambo of Arabia. Um, they called it that because the production had so many different characters that it felt like a, a Lawrence of Arabia, but essentially it's the Rambo three novelization, and I think it's the first draft of the new plot, which is the uh, well, the plot for Rambo 3, but very early on, it had a lot more characters in it, and it was really, um, it was almost completely different, and then they kept on changing the script, but Morrell didn't have time to catch up, kind of, because the, the deadline was approaching, and every time... They would, um, every time they would send him a new script, essentially he would have to start over. So I believe he used the original, like the first draft. And it was very, it's very, very different than the movie we know today. You know, I I would say almost 80% different.
2: All right. Well, I know, um, when we started this, we, uh, when we first did First Blood, that's the first time I'd read the, novel version of it
3: mm-hmm.
2: and uh like craig had mentioned earlier the novel is a completely different experience mm-hmm. but to listen to David morrell talk about it he seems to he really does embrace the sly version of it i just wanted to ask you matt personally do you prefer the movie or the book just the first blood the original
3: one oh that's a <clears throat> that's a really good question because when i first got my hands on that um, it was from watching the old, uh, I think it was a two thousand documentary. Um, when when the DVD came out, yeah, and uh, I went out and got that book right away, and in my head I could kind of see the characters from the movie in the book, you know. So it was one of those things where it's like, I I, I guess I guess I kind of I, I love them equally, but yeah,
2: I know I know how you feel. It's it's. They're similar, but they're far enough apart. It's that it's that perfect valley there, where they're far yeah. enough apart, where they're two totally separate experiences. But like in my mind, it's still Stallone, it's still Brian Dennehy, it's still yeah. the same guys.
3: Yeah, I, I think and, the only the, the only character when I was reading the book that I thought of differently, I thought maybe maybe for a bit um, Teasel because I was going through a big Michael Parks kind of phase, and uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I kind of saw that going that way, but, yeah, like, I, I love First Blood because, the movie, because it's, it's, it had such an impact on me as, as of seeing it at, at a young age, and it was just so crazy to see that kind of movie, and then, when I got my hands on the book, it was just this really delightful trip down this whole new road. So, I, I guess yeah. I'd say I, I like them both equally. Yeah, I think the main thing that
0: a Stallone fan can take away from it, even if you're not a big reader, is it really shows how tuned in or connected Stallone is to movie audiences. And we talked on our episode about a lot of the changes he made. Um, the the biggest change is the ending, of course. But to 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 watch that movie after reading the book, or vice versa, you really see how. He took things in the book that you couldn't do, killing a kid or, you know, yeah. you know, he made, you know, Rambo more uh reactive as opposed to this, you know, sort of, you know, soldier who snaps. Um and they made yes. Rambo a lot more sympathetic for the movie. So, it's really a great study in in what Stallone, you know, really how he connects with audiences and realizes that they had to make changes or else people would walk out of the theater hating Rambo and oh, yeah. instead he turned him into this amazing sort of, um, icon.
2: If you film that movie, the way that exactly the way it's written, when at the end of the movie, you're not going to like any of the main characters. Like Rambo's not, wouldn't be sympathetic yeah. to a movie audience. Uh, Teasel wouldn't be sympathetic. And like Troutman's really cold in the book. Like you just wouldn't, he, like you said, he went in and he said, well, you know, I like the main story. I like this character. I'll take this, this, and this. And I'll leave the rest.
0: So, so Matt, um, looping back to, to Rambo Three and the novelization, right now you said it's what like eighty percent of it is sort of tuned into that original script. So, really, what are some of the main differences between the novelization and the movie that we ended up seeing?
3: Okay, um, well, the beginning is totally different. The beginning is more in tune with Rambo and and the Zen. Like a lot of Rambo and going through a, a Buddhist beliefs, the five truths of Buddha, and really we were introduced to him in that classic uh, 1972 Rambo fashion where it's he's hating himself and he's like totally fighting himself on everything. And then he starts to realize that there's these chain reactions of his, his, his actions and, and he really is just disgusted with himself. And then he's living in this uh, monastery. Uh, we learned that after Rambo 2, he kind of met up with these monks and, oh, well, this one monk, and he kind of swooned the monk over, and the monk lets him live there. And then he goes and he finds a job being a blacksmith. And uh, the blacksmith guy is just like, the owner of the, the foundry is just like, just sees a kind of uh, easy way to make money off of Rambo, you know, because he's so big. And then... um. He, he goes to work in this foundry uh, doing blacksmithing and then one night he's uh, walking back and he's he's crossing this warehouse and he finds this uh, there's there's like a lot of people out there smoking pot and stuff and he's kind of like taken by it because he, he kind of realizes that it's that whole stick fighting scene so he starts watching the stick fighters and he's kind of in, entranced by it Uh, Eventually, a couple of days later, um, he decides to take upon stick fighting to punish himself for all these horrible, you know, things that have happened because he was defiant in the past.
2: Hmm.
3: Yeah. So when he goes into the stick fight, it's not like he's going into fight. He's actually going in and and they actually, like, beat him up really bad. Like, they, they crack his skull. They... They,
0: they really rough them up bad. Wow, wow. So it, the great thing about these novelizations is, I guess, David Morrell owns the rights to them. So he was able to release them in new paperback versions as well as really affordable e And I really love ebooks because I've been able to read so many um, novelizations or or books that were turned into movies that were so hard to get prior to – Ebooks, you know, I was able to read, you know, books like Death Wish or even Nothing Lasts Forever, which they turned into Die Hard. So I definitely recommend reading all of the Morrell books, and I've actually only read First Blood, so I'm actually looking forward to digging down into First Blood Part Two and and Rambo Three. So, so Matt, I know at the end of the episode we're going to get back with you to talk a little bit about your feelings on Rambo Three um, in general, but before we go, is there any moment that you want to highlight for our discussion that really makes Rambo 3 for you?
3: Um, I think it was the anticipation when I was younger. Rambo 3 is the first movie, well, the first Rambo movie that I actually got to uh, anticipate coming out. You know, it was the first one I actually saw specials on TV or TV spots or trailers and all that. So for me, it was, uh, you know, like the magic of of, you know, Rambo 3 coming out. All right,
0: all right, cool. So, Matt, I want to thank you again for taking the time to come on and sharing the alternate scripts that are out there and some of the changes in the novelization for our audience. And uh, I know you provided a lot of great info. So thank you so much.
3: Oh, thank you, guys. You know, like, the, the pleasure is all mine. You guys, you guys rock, man. I love what you guys do. And it's so helpful to the Salai community and just to, in general, just to learn you know you're gonna learn it's like every month i get to learn so much awesome stuff from this show
1: well, thanks man
0: yeah yeah it, it, uh, it's pretty funny we didn't expect to have this become an ongoing podcast when we started and the response of the audience was just so overwhelming and we didn't really i don't i know i didn't really know that there was such a, a passionate fan base out there and um a fan base that is so connected and you know, so sort of so giving in terms of sharing ideas with each other. So I know um, between Slycast and what you're doing with Rambo Mania, there are some great resources out there for people. So um, so yeah, keep it up. I, I know we definitely enjoy what you're doing.
3: All right, can, can I can I just add that um, the, um I, as we were speaking on on First Blood and, and that before yeah um. The, there's an actual reissue scheduled this month for a for oh. print. Oh, cool. Like a special edition uh, with Gauntlet Press. I ordered mine yesterday. Um, their are collective series. I think there's only 500, uh, 500 versions of one and 52 versions of another.
0: Oh, wow. And is there going to be any new content?
3: Uh, yeah, yeah, tons. There's. I think there's – um uh, on the lettered edition, I believe there is – a, a whole chapter before the opening chapter of the book, I believe. Oh, wow! Uh, like yeah, a, like, like a lost a chapter. Yeah, there's a uh, there's people can check it out on, on gauntletpress.com, and it's even going to come with a poster of a uh, Kirk Douglas in his uh, Troutman getup. Oh, wow! Yeah, so it's pretty cool.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. We're definitely going to keep. A, uh, we're going to take a look at that, and I will include any pertinent links in the show notes. So uh, yeah, thank you for that, Matt. All right, guys. Thanks. All right. So that was a really, really great discussion. And uh, I can't wait to talk to Matt again for uh, any of our future Rambo episodes. He's just a great source of knowledge when it comes to Rambo. And uh, he really is doing some great work for, for that character, if you will. All right, so guys, do you want to jump into Rambo 3? Oh, oh sure. sure. Yeah. All, all right. So the movie starts off with cutting back and forth between Troutman and Kurtwood Smith, who finally gets his full um, Sylvester Stallone movie treatment. We saw him briefly in Staying Alive, but here he actually gets um, a, a full character. So we're cutting back and forth between Kurtwood Smith and Troutman and Rambo prepping. You know, We're getting the early suit-up scene from Rambo, which was kind of interesting. And then it leads to this, this stick fight that Rambo has. And the thing I really like about the stick fight is it's not something I remember seeing in, in, in at least American films prior to Rambo 3. It's really well shot. Um, the choreography is great, um, it's very physical, and it looks and feels dangerous. Jeff Ferry, uh, do you have any feelings about that stick-fighting sequence?
2: No, that's funny. It's It's been so long since I've seen Rambo 3, but I've seen Hot Shots Part 2 <laughs> several times, and they spoof basically the whole beginning of this, so that's what I always think of in my mind. But uh, if I'm not wrong, I believe the first line of English dialogue is not spoke until about seven, eight minutes into the film. That sounds right. Yeah, it's just people yelling and some people screaming in Thai, and that's about it. So that's what I'm saying. When the movie started, it really filled me with hope. I'm like, and this was a real interesting way to get it started. Unfortunately, I think they sort of peaked here at the beginning. But, like, yeah, the intercutting between him and uh, Troutman, and, I mean, it's it's well known that I love Troutman. He is my favorite side character in the series. So anytime there's more Richard Crenna on screen, I'm a happy person. But, yeah, I, I mean, it started off good. It started off very well jeff hewlett
1: well i i like the the setup before the stick fight uh, i i love the fact that you see a picture of rambo being flashed by uh, uh, by troutwood and griggs while they're looking for him before you actually see rambo's face so you have this cool setup and you have of course the the uh the famous red bandana tie and then the turnaround reveal just before the fight starts but watching through the fight again i agree with your points about it being very physical and feeling dangerous but i also kind of saw some hints of maybe some rocky in there as he kind of has to fight back from i mean it looks like he's going to lose and I mean, he's getting beat down pretty hard and he kind of gets angry and, and makes a comeback there and yeah. I, I kind of had a little bit of a shade of rocky uh for a little bit towards the uh, the middle and uh, before the end of the fight and I'm not sure – one thing that I was left thinking at the end of the fight is that you they have a, a quite a bit of a, of a switch back and forth between a very intense Rambo and his uh, the, the fallen uh, other fighter on the ground. And you see the other fighter kind of breaking down and sort of giving in, and you see this really intense look from Rambo. And I'm wondering, did the audience of the fight expect Rambo to finish the guy off and, and Rambo is fighting with himself not to do it?
0: Yeah, my, I was going to ask you guys about that because I watched that the that ending uh, of the fight. I watched that about four times just to really try and see what they were doing. And my takeaway and I'm really curious to see what yours is uh, is that Rambo really um wanted the guy to submit. And it it had to be just you know, sort of a, a visual cue. Um, so when they finally break glances and he looks away, that's, you know, him basically submitting to Rambo and Hewlett, you, you sort of I- I explained it a little differently. Are are you sort of doubt, you know, of the thought that Rambo was deciding whether or not to, to kill the guy?
1: No, not necessarily to kill him, but to, um, you know, to give him the final blow, knock him out or, or, you know, give him some injury or something or not. when, the looks were flashing back and forth, and you see the intense look on on Rambo's face. I couldn't remember. I, my mind kept thinking, I think he's got a Vietnam flashback moment happening here. I, I thought for a minute you'd see a flashback to some combat situation. That's I good. thought maybe he was having some sort of a, of, a, of an episode, but it wasn't the case. But I, I just wasn't sure how those, those kinds of um, fights work. Uh, yeah. You know, the ones that people bet on. I don't think if, if you have to actually knock your opponent out and, and he was making a statement or he was resisting actually doing it.
2: Yeah. Um. Jeff Ferry, what was your feeling there? Yeah, they were a little unclear on that. I kind of thought that for a minute, too. Like, is this a, they don't explain it to you? So you're like, is this to the death and he's not doing what he's supposed to? But I, I think it's the I think it is a matter of like in his training, he's supposed to beat a man until he can't fight back anymore to submission or to death. Mm -hmm. Yep. But then those guys lock eyes and he's got that I'm going to kill you look on his face. But once the guy kind of looks away and kind of submits to him, then he's done. He snaps back into what can only be considered a more normal Rambo, not like fighting to the death Rambo, regular Rambo. And then he's like, okay, and they can shake hands and be friends, I guess, afterwards.
0: Yeah, I thought it was a good moment, you know, where he offers the stick to help him up. And you know, of course, he pulls him up with with one arm, you know. Um, and that d- the dude Rambo was fighting was not a small dude, so mm-hmm. Rambo gets his payment, and then uh, Troutman chases him through the crowd and and tries to get his attention, but Rambo is already off, getting onto a, a boat full of I guess monks, um, yep. and he gives them his his winnings, and Rambo goes up river a river that I assume we you know is the same river that we're going to see. Um, in the next movie. So that was kind of cool to see. But, um, and then we cut to Troutman and um, Kurtwood Smith. And, and Jeff, you said Kurtwood Smith's character was Griggs. Yep. Uh huh. Going to the monastery where Rambo's working and Rambo's up, up working on a, a structure of some kind. And we hear Troutman's voice call him. And it's, it's a voice that, that Rambo really, really knows so well. And he comes down, and after Troutman talks to Rambo, Griggs comes over and sort of tries to sell him on this mission to Afghanistan, where the Russians are basically uh, moving in on Afghan territory, and the Afghan resistance is, is, isn't is putting up that great of a fight except sort of one stronghold. And Rambo's answer um, is a flat-out no. Um, he's he's done with war. And it it was... I think this is really the the great part of the movie for me is seeing a Rambo that had found peace but ultimately can never find peace and and that's sort of what we really learn through that next movie as well. And I also think the setup is great too because we learn that Troutman is actually going into into Afghanistan on this mission. Um Jeff Hewlett, what are your feelings on this encounter between troutman and rambo and the the overall setup
1: yeah like well like you said the, this entire sequence is set up there's a lot of different uh, bits of setup going on here you know they're establishing rambo as uh, you know still the tough guy with the good heart you know he's he's giving his this extra money he's putting his life and on the line his life and health on the line to give extra money to these monks and they make mention they not only do they show it, but but troutman makes mention of it calls it out so the audience is supposed to understand that you know Rambo, you know he's not a he's not a brute. He's he's there and he's he's living a life that he enjoys with people that he he genuinely uh, cares for. But then at the same time, I kind of picked up on this a little more this time that you know Troutman almost seems to be trying to manipulate Rambo into going into combat again. I mean he's you know kind of picking him apart mentally and telling him you're never going to find peace. You know you you can't deny the fact that you're a soldier and. Uh, you know, you're always going to. I think the exact quote I wrote down was, "You're always going to be tearing away at yourself until you come to terms with what you are." And you know, it seems like Rambo is doing pretty well. I mean, he's he's living a life that he likes. In fact, he, he expresses that fact a couple times. And and Troutman doesn't want to give up on it. But one one thing that I kind of wanted to ask both of you guys, I think you know, Jeff Fair, you have some military experience, right? Yes. Okay. So, how old does a flag officer have to be not to get sent into really awkward combat missions i mean i think i, I would think troutman kind of aged out of those kinds of missions a while ago
2: yeah well here i'll tell you this about uh about troutman he i think i looked it up he, uh richard Crenna is about 62 in this movie yeah which is the same age that sylvester stallone is in rambo 4 so when like but if, if for some reason richard Crenna, he's an old 62 where like you totally buy everything that stallone does in the next one you're like oh you could send him in yeah, I can't imagine any mission where you're gonna send a 62-year-old green beret, full bird colonel, yeah. into into combat. Okay. For, for the exact reason for what happens. First of all, you you just can't do that anymore. You physically cannot do that anymore. But like, w- just imagine if he gets captured.
1: <laughs> mm. Mm-hmm.
2: It's like, and they send him in. He's, in, you know, it's yeah, everything about that. Like, I don't know why he's got to wander around in his uniform the whole first half of the movie too. I mean, that's for our benefit, just so you know who he is, I guess. Sure, yeah. But yeah, I'm pretty sure that they'd be like, uh, listen, Grandpa, you can uh, plan the mission, <laughs> but uh, you're not coming. <laughs> yeah. To be honest with you, Stallone's getting too old for it, even in this movie. He's yeah. got to be, what, he's going to, is he 40, 40-ish yeah, he's, in this movie?
0: Yeah, he was probably just 40 or or, or right around uh, 40 when, when he made this. Um...
2: I got news for, for for guys that are like special ops or whatever, you're hitting 40. You're starting to get on the upper end of that. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Yeah. T- to talk to Jeff Hewlett's mention of that full circle line, that is a, a callback that's going to be used in the next movie. So it-, it was kind of interesting to see that in its raw form. So Jeff Ferry, um, anything to add regarding Rambo saying no and then Troutman going to speak to Rambo on his own and giving that full
2: circle speech? Yeah, I mean it- – as much as he keeps telling Rambo, you are who you are, you are who you are, well, Troutman is who he is, too. He's a man who sends people into combat. Good point. And he uses mind games to do it. And he can't not do it. The whole time he's talking to Rambo, even though I think he thinks he's being genuine, he's manipulating him the whole time to say, oh, you know, you got to go in, you got to do this. I, I think – he thinks that he'll be able to get Rambo to go. I think he's actually surprised when he doesn't go. Yeah, but that's the funny thing about it is after the events of First Blood Part
0: 2, how can Troutman think that Rambo is going to trust, if nothing else, the government again? He he never loses his trust in Troutman, but why would he ever want to put his hands um, or his life in the
2: hands of, of the government? Uh, I was glad about that, though, that they didn't, As soon as um, Kurtwood Smith showed up, who was criminally underused in this movie, he shows up and you're like, oh, please don't go down this road again. Don't make another, (laughs) oh, look, it's the government guy that's bad. But like, not only is he not bad, you're like, oh, you just never see him again. Yeah. I was like, that's a shame. You know, he wasted him. Yeah. And and really, this
0: whole intro is is necessary. It almost seems like they wrote themselves into a corner here. And Stallone wrote this movie with Sheldon Lettich who has gone on to be a a director and a screenwriter, and he's actually worked on a lot of Jean-Claude Van Damme movies. He was the screenwriter on Bloodsport. He directed Lionheart as well as writing it. He wrote and directed Double Impact. He was the screenwriter for Legionnaire.
2: I believe he got an Academy Award for that, didn't he?
0: (laughs) Did he? (laughs) (laughs) Um, And he actually wrote a Vietnam-era script that is what caught the eye of Stallone, and and ended up in them working together. But what I was saying about the script is, they really wrote themselves into a corner here. Is where you have Rambo at a period uh, in his life where he's not gonna just go running in, you know, to to go to war, and and actually we see this setup is it's almost the same setup as the next movie in terms of saying no to something and then having to clean up somebody else's mess. So. You, you can almost see uh from a screenwriting perspective and Jeff Ferry, I'm I'm curious to get your take on this putting Troutman in harm's way really seems like the only way in Rambo 3 at least that you can get Rambo into action is there uh, an alternate way you can see it unfolding or do you ultimately you know agree with the decision that they made
2: well i think the only ways you could get him into action are the two ways that they end up doing it one in this it's got to be personal. Well, there's only one person he cares about. And that's Troutman. So you gotta, you know, have him go after Troutman. So then, when the next movie rolls around, they're like, "Well, we already spent that bullet." So basically, they have to make it no choice. Like he had, it, it comes to him. He like can't avoid it because he's just good enough of a guy to help someone out, and then it blows up in his face. So like that one, they they drag him two thirds of the way in in the fourth one, where in this one they're just it's I mean, there's no decision when the guy tells him, hey, Troutman's missing. There is no he's like, OK, well, I'm going. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jeff Hewlett.
1: Yeah, I. I uh, yep, that I, I agree with what, what Ferry was saying. I think, yeah, tr- it, 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 Rambo three, I think really the only way they could have got him was something personal now with Troutman or maybe if they had some some. You know, group of of uh, mercenaries attacked the monastery or something, and put him in a position where he had to fight. But it would have been a completely different movie. Uh, but they would have to take from him something that he cares about, or attack something he cares about in order to to convince him uh, to to actually go back into the, the combat zone.
0: Right, right. So we then cut to Troutman on his mission in Afghanistan, and they're quickly caught um some of the the men are killed and troutman is is caught which then leads to uh kurtwood smith coming back and telling rambo rambo deciding to go in and kurtwood smith saying um we can't officially or unofficially um authorize you going in but they they do find a way anything either one of you guys want to highlight from this section of the movie uh jeff hewlett
1: well, one thing that really struck me as odd is uh, something Jeff Ferry alluded to earlier is that you don't hear any English dialogue for the first, what, seven or eight minutes of the movie, but the Russians speak English by default. <laughs> I thought that was kind of funny. I mean, you come across a, a group of, of, uh, of people in the night. I mean, how did they know there was an American among them who spoke English? I mean, well, they knew they could have been a bunch of Afghans that they just blew up. So I thought it was a little bit weird that they didn't go with subtitles at least for the first engagement well, with the Russians. I think it would have made it sound a little more uh, believable. But uh, and like Ferry was saying earlier, Troutman I, maybe this is the result of the age, but that that detail he was with was pretty sloppy. And uh, you know he he doesn't even wind up getting to really do much fighting back before he gets before he gets captured. And and then the rest you have a you know the beginnings of the lone wolf setup. So you know Kurt would. Uh, Griggs you know they they have to tell you and tell the audience that you know the government this isn't an official thing and it's illegal and if he's caught you know we will disavow all knowledge so you know this is the first you know push for that lone wolf thing and you'll get more in the next set of scenes where they keep driving home the fact that Rambo's doing this one on his own he's doing this one on his own so you know just just keep getting ready for more of that because you're going to get hit over the head with that until he actually goes into combat.
0: Right right I love the concept of that initial sequence being in Russian, um, and I would have even preferred if they had done that and not given you subtitles. I think mm-hmm. that would have really sold the, the overall fear that all those guys would probably be feeling. Jeff Ferry, thoughts on, on that selection of sequences?
2: I agree. It would have been better in Russian. I mean, even the, the little bit of Russian and the little, when the Afghans speak a little bit, there. I don't believe there's any subtitles in this movie. But, I mean, you know the reason why they did it. It was like, it's almost like Screenplay 101. It's because there's the, that scene when the hind helicopter is looking at him, saying, throw down your weapons. We're not going to hurt you. It's so that later on in the movie, they can echo the exact same thing when it's him and Troutman. I mean, that's the only reason this scene exists the way that it does, is so they can echo the exact same scene later. Right, right. So
0: we then move on to, I guess, we get rambo to afghanistan fairly quickly right unless i'm missing something
1: that's instantaneous
0: yeah yeah <laughs> so he starts doing his own sort of recon work and he goes to i i guess a a market that sells guns um yeah or, or sells military uh paraphernalia
2: but yeah. it seemed like it seemed like it was set up for him though like the guy was waiting for him
0: yeah right, right? And, and the guy ended up being uh what ultimately a turncoat yes But he does put Rambo in contact with, I guess, uh, uh, a member of the Resistance. And then we get a lot of exposition. Do either one of you guys want to tackle that for me?
2: Uh, Just call it out, guys. Oh, my God. (laughs)
1: It's really weird scenes.
2: It's – the whole thing, this is like – this is right about where, like, things start coming a little – getting a little shaky. Mm Mm-hmm. Because it's almost like – they wrote the beginning up to where Troutman, or they wrote till about where Rambo gets called into action. And they were like, okay, well, we have that part. And we know when we want him to hit, you know, when we want him to get Troutman back. But we're not quite sure what goes in the middle there. So we're just going to cobble a bunch of stuff together. We're going to have him talk to the Afghans here. And then we're going to throw in a traitor. And then, you know, he'll go find their camp. And they'll ride horses. I don't know. We'll figure something out later. <laughs> <laughs> like it's like a jumbled mess for like 15 minutes yeah it really
1: is
0: yeah um and then i guess at, at certain points we cut back to troutman and we see him being interrogated by the the head russian of this movie he's the uh i guess the you know the the evil russian of this movie where we had the evil russian in part two um we have the evil russian in part three and he's asking troutman where what i guess some missiles are that they're gonna that that
2: they were going to funnel to the oh, resistance. Oh, it's it's such a it, – the whole thing is yeah. – lo- it's a lousy scene. It's – the interrogation pales in comparison to what you've already seen Rambo had to go through. All they do is lift them up by his arms. And I'm not saying that that's pleasant, but like we've all seen far worse in these movies. Like just beating a guy up is worse than getting lifted up in the air. Yeah, they're asking him where the stinger missiles are that are coming in. Yeah, I get. I mean, why would he even know? <laughs> like, <laughs> why why would he know?
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's, that's a little bit weird.
2: Yeah, that's the thing and and I, the one thing I do like
0: about this these sequences is you see how tough Troutman is and you can really sort of understand how a guy like him could have trained Rambo to be the guy that he is. And I we kind of skipped over, it, but you have that great speech in the beginning, the full circle speech where he talks about um, that story about chipping a, a statue out of stone and saying, uh, you know, the, the statue was always always there. I just removed the little bits. And, you know, it kind of rewrites Rambo a little bit because he says, I didn't really train you so much as, you know, just refined a, a skill set that was sort of already there, which I'm not really too sure I like. Um, but... Um, I, I do like the way that they at least make Troutman look fairly tough here. And the other funny thing is at this point, I think the traitor comes in and drops the Rambo name. And you'd think that the Russians from part two would have <laughs> kept some file with Rambo's name on it. Yeah, and really. Rambo would have become like this legend among the the Russian army. Um, <laughs> Jeff Ferry, do you have any feelings on that?
2: I think that would have been – I like your idea better. I think you should have wrote this script. <laughs> right then, if, if, if they drop Rambo's name and then all of a sudden they get that look in the room, you know what I'll equate it to? you know A couple of Star Trek fans like yourself. <laughs> this should have been the moment where the Russians were the Klingons and it was like you dropped Kirk's name in the room. Yes. And everybody's like, oh, yeah, we know who that is. We you know We got to go get him. And then you change the focus of the movie. Now it's not just we're looking for some Stinger missiles. It's like, no, we're looking for that guy. We want to kill him. Because he's a legend he killed all these people you know and then you know over the years the myth would even grow yeah, that's a far better movie than what, what I had to watch <laughs> yeah uh, Jeff Hewitt
1: well yeah and then they they could have they could have flipped it around and instead of just trying to torture Troutman for information they would use him as bait to lure Rambo in right yeah so use him use him as bait for the trap but um just to roll it back a second in that prior scene where that the awkwardness with the weapon shop. There was the first couple of uh, those awkward comedy moments that we talked about uh, prior to the to the start of our, our commentary with that blue glow stick. You guys catch that? Yes, oh, he, he's
0: going through what all the weapons do, and the guy says, well, "What's this doing?"
1: It glows blue. <laughs> <laughs> really. <laughs> and then you got the that really kind of really dorky uh, uh, wink, wink, nudge, nudge moment to the audience where you know this this uh, this turncoat. Uh, Not the turncoat, but the the guy that winds up helping Rambo out says, oh, you know, by the look of you, you have no experience in war. You know, you should just turn around and go home. You're not a fighting guy. And you get the whole turn around and gaze at him, you know, by Rambo's like, you know, I've I've fired a couple of shots. And it's this whole, like, wink, wink, nudge, nudge to the audience going, oh, this guy's such an idiot. He doesn't know who Rambo is. You know, it's...
2: But again, it's too much. Like if, yeah. if it was one line and one look, it'd be fine. they do it three times. They yep. go back to the well.
1: Yep. They keep going over it.
2: Yeah, and this is
0: sort of like one of those things where I used to do a podcast called Camel Clutch Cinema where we talked about movies with wrestlers in them and how characters would always talk down to these huge giant men. And we're not going to say that Stallone's a giant but he looks like a guy at least in the rambo guys that can take care of business. So, just to see a guy sell him short yeah. um is really funny to me and uh it didn't it didn't really s- seem genuine to me.
1: No, felt forced.
0: Yeah. So, we then get a little bit more interaction with the the afghan people and I guess they're deciding whether or not they're going to help him the resistance and they, they ultimately decide that they don't want to work on Rambo's timetable, so he he says he'll go off on his own. And then um, another person um, from the group chimes in and decides to throw his support towards Rambo. We then get the introduction of, I, I guess, the, the little boy character, which you never really thought <laughs> that the Rambo franchise would need the little boy character, um, who doesn't turn out to be as bad as you expect. And then I guess we have that... Afghani rugby game where they they use the the sheep um that you have to throw in a circle I don't want to drill too deep into this sequence um it's probably 15 minutes in the movie so if, if either one of you guys have notes from any of
2: those sequences um let's talk it um Jeff Ferry my only note was where is my remote so I can fast forward to this scene <laughs> it's I mean the scene it's probably legitimately 10 minutes it feels like 40, Yep, and it probably could have been two. Like he could have – I mean, again, I guess it's to set up the fact that he is apparently a master class horseman. Who knew? I mean I don't know when that skill needed to get – not only is he like can he ride a horse, which I guess is possible that he could ride a horse. But like he can outride all these Afghan guys who ride horses every day. Yeah. The The only thing I thought about that, Jeff, was – He's from Arizona,
0: and we at least know from the end of the the, the last movie or the fourth movie that he looked like he, he had grown up on a, a, a big farm in Arizona. So that at least made me a little bit more accepting of his, his horse riding ability. But he had probably been – what? Probably hadn't been on a horse in 15 years at least. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I'm pretty sure you could get on a bike right now and ride it but could you go in a bike race and outride people that do it every day? I couldn't even do an Ollie anymore.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Jeff Hewlett.
1: Oh, I have a couple things that I noted down that may be um, interesting, you know, things to just talk about briefly and through this, uh, from the beginning of the scene where he's riding through the desert to get to this village and all through the village uh, sequence up until the attack happens. This is where I first start to notice that, the Rambo character in this movie is quite a bit different in the fact that he's more social. He seems to be more willing to have conversations with people where in the other movies, including the one after this, he's not really always so willing to socialize and get personal uh, with, with people. So that, that kind of threw me off a little bit, especially of course him joining in the, uh, in that rugby or whatever kind of game that was. And, you know, he makes a reference to football before that. He's I like, oh, you know, I prefer football or something of that nature before he gets involved. And it just seemed very out of character uh, for Rambo in general, especially he knows that Troutman is, you know, even if he's still alive, he's probably being tortured. He's in captivity. It seems strange to me that he takes the time to be social with, with these people and play, get involved in some kind of a sporting event.
0: Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I just wonder if how much of that is just sort of him winding down from where he was emotionally uh, in First Blood Part 2. And and I I also wonder if there's an official timeline in terms of how far apart First Blood 2 and Rambo 3 are. And let's not even get into the absurdity of the naming sequences here. We just went from Rambo First Blood Part 2 to Rambo 3, but that's another discussion for another day that we'll never be able to make sense of. But... You don't know if it's been a, a couple years or if it's been a couple months, and that would play a lot into Rambo's personality as well, because you'd think if he was stick fighting and just doing works uh, work on this monastery, he'd be really used to sort of not talking and not sharing mm-hmm. his feelings. So, yeah, I, I think that is one aspect of this movie where Rambo really sort of is done a, a disservice. Yeah. Um, anything else, Jeff?
1: Yeah, there's a couple of other things that, that are really kind of move through pretty quickly uh, through this whole village sequence that I thought were kind of significant. If you, if you pay a lot more attention to it, they, there's some, uh, some seeds in here that are sown for the audience trying to expose how horrible the Russians are. And one of the things I picked up on is that uh, the, the Afghan rebels use children – to com- for, for combat purposes uh, as part of their you know their their bands of of uh, fighters and the russians know that and they hide uh, mines and bombs inside kids toys and leave them laying around oh, for little kids to find
0: yeah that's a, a interesting detail
1: and they have on a table you see like a you know some some kids who are obviously injured who are laying on beds and things and there's a table there with a few of these toys, like one's one of those Russian dolls that comes apart and they had the, the nesting dolls. And he, they, they say, they told Rambo, you know, these are that we show the kids these toys so they know what not to play with when they find them out in the battlefield. I thought that was pretty significant uh, as far as setting up the Russians as, as, as how ruthless they are towards the Afghan people.
0: Yeah, that's some, uh, some great observations there. I had actually m- missed some of that. So uh, that's another reason I love sitting down and, and talking these movies with you guys, because we all sort of uh, point things out to each other, and uh, this is no different. So now we're really going to have some of the biggest action in the movie thus far, is the attack on the Afghan camp, where the Russian helicopters come in, and they really just decimate the group. There's a lot of action here. Rambo sort of really springs into action and if memory serves, he he takes out a helicopter in the sequence, doesn't he?
1: Uh yeah, with the with remember. that mounted gun? Yeah. Yeah.
2: Oh yeah, he does get one. Yeah, cuz I I believe he shoots at it and the helicopter just explodes. Yes. <laughs> yeah.
1: And
0: and I got to say this was a really um well-done action scene in my opinion. It's big. It's probably the biggest action scene we've seen in a Rambo movie to date. Um, and I don't know if it's just the setting, that big open setting. We saw hints of it in Rambo uh, in First Blood Part Two, But here, you're really seeing that this movie had a scope and a budget. And the movie was directed by Peter MacDonald. It's actually his first directing gig. He um, worked as a, a camera operator, a cinematographer, and second unit. And he actually started out as the second unit director on this movie working under um, director Russell Mulcahy, who, who we all probably know from uh, the Highlander films. He left two weeks into it, and I guess they dropped the movie in <laughs> in Peter's lap, and um, he didn't have much time to prepare, but I, I think he did a pretty good job, and he went on to then direct Mo Money, which is interesting, The NeverEnding Story 3, Legionnaire, which we talked about, and... Um, a movie called the lost empire. And he was also camera operator on Superman, the movie, which is just um, a really, really great credit to have. And he was also second unit director on first blood part two. And then after that, he was camera operator and second unit director on Batman. So seeing this guy's pedigree, you're not really surprised at how good this movie looks from an action standpoint uh, did
2: either one of you want to talk about that aspect of the movie, uh, Jeff Berry? Yeah, I think they had – so they had two directors. I believe they had three cinematographers. That's a lot of motion and stuff coming in and out on a film. I'm, I am mean the, I wouldn't argue the film looks really good. It's got some great action set pieces. I mean where most of the film falls down is the uh, the connective tissue between the set pieces is usually where your problem is. And a couple of the set pieces are like – Either a little too long, or maybe I still think you could have maybe removed one because, like they, like you said, we're at the attack on the um, on the camp right now. In most films, this might be your closer right here. It, it definitely, from the scope of it, it could have been. And, and there's literally like three more huge set pieces after this. Like right. when when we hit about, the, we'll talk about when we get there. But like, there got to a point where I was like, "Is it, what is this movie not over?" Like I thought we, I thought we were done, and we're going into a whole other 15 minute. <laughs> moment
0: yeah in in terms of uh 1988 dollars or 1987 dollars it uh was filmed on a budget of 62 million so they did put a lot of money behind this and it made 189 million so rambo was still going strong uh box office wise uh jeff hewlett overall feelings on this action sequence and the overall action sequences of the movie
1: well i think the crime of this scene is that you had to wait 45 minutes to get to it and but the payoff is pretty good i mean this the shining star of this movie in my opinion is sly's stunt work i, I think you know as, as tough as some of the that connective tissue that jeff ferry was talking about is i think the the most enjoyable thing for me is watching some of the stuff that sly pulled off and i think it started for me in the horse racing game that he was playing where you see him lean off the horse to pick up the sheep off the ground and you see a lot of great uh, running and jumping and diving and, and uh, general action throughout this whole battle sequence. I mean, pyrotechnics and exploding helicopters and gunplay aside, you know, I think I, I don't know for sure uh, from a directing standpoint uh, if this was the case or not. But I, it feels like they went out of their way to let the audience know, uh, you know, through the choices of camera angles and, and shots that it was actually Stallone doing these things. Because usually you see when it's a stunt double, they'll film it from an angle where you kind of can't see the guy's face very well. But in this one, you have a lot of dead-on shots where you see his face and you know that it's absolutely definitely him doing this stuff. And I I think for me, that's it it sucks that you have to wait 45 minutes to get to the first one of these sequences.
0: Yeah, and actually, I'm so glad you brought that up because I was looking around doing research for this episode and I found an article um, slash interview that – Roger Ebert did back in 1988 when this movie was coming out and they talk about Stallone doing his own stunts for this movie. So I'll pick it up from Ebert's article where he says, um, I I made this picture uh, at such a low ebb of my own emotional fortune, Stallone explained, that I didn't care if I lived or died. But if you were killed, I said the investors and their insurance company would lose all of their millions, which would <laughs> presumably represent a low ebb in their fortune. There was an ambulance standing by at all times, Stallone said. And any of those shots where I'm running toward the camera and the explosions are going off behind me, if the camera panned another two feet, you'd see the ambulance. So um it's, it's great that we noticed that because it was done intentionally. And I guess we have to thank Stallone. And his mental state at that time, <laughs> 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 for being, um, for lack of a better word, um, suicidal. But um, yeah, I think that is really where this movie excels, is in the 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 stunt work and the action se- uh, set pieces. And um, in no way does the movie suffer there. If anything, like Jeff Ferry said, um, it's got its its connective tissue problems. So moving forward, I guess at this point. They decide, this is where they have the, the discussion um, about going in, and they decide that they're going to have to go in through um, a minefield. Yep. So yep. we have a, a pretty neat sequence where Rambo and uh, I guess one of his guides are crawling through, and Rambo's got his knife out and he's sort of hitting the ground looking for mines. And then they get to the, the compound where Troutman is being held. And he gets inside, he finds out where Troutman is, and he's not able to set Troutman free because the little resistance boy, I guess, follows Rambo in, and then we have a a Russian guard come down who is dispatched but not before firing his gun, and then we have a huge gunfight in this this prison, which is a really unique setting, and you've got this sort of really closed-quarters gunfighting going on Jeff Hewlett um, overall thoughts on the infiltration of the, the prison
1: well the, the lead-in when they're crawling through the minefield is really interesting because you see Rambo using his knife to try to find mines in their path and he actually does find one it's, it's kind of cool and you almost don't know what he's doing exactly at first and then you realize a couple seconds in that that's what he's doing but uh, I, I the addition of the of the kid being there is a is a real detractor for me. It's like uh, it's like he's he's Rambo's short round, you know. <laughs> I mean, what what's the point other than ha- to have the kid there, other than screwing up, uh, you know, Rambo's uh, rescue of Troutman. So the kid goes from being short round to being the Jar Jar Binks of the movie, right, and and screws up the the rescue operation. But it does lead to some more really great uh, stunt work by Sly. So that's really great, and I guess we we learn. That if you're ever trying to sneak into a, a Russian prison camp, don't knock over any tin cups because that'll alert everybody <laughs> that you're there. That's the noise.
2: Uh, Jeff Ferry. Yeah, it's a. I mean, it's a. Yeah, it's a good setting. The thing I did like about it was um, having not seen the movie for a while. I'm like, all right, well, here's where he gets Troutman and they move on, and then it, it all goes to hell and he doesn't get him. So like, I thought that was that was actually a nice turn. I'm like, oh, okay, well. I mean, it kind of puts you back to square one. And um, is this uh, is right here where he gets the he gets the thing in his side, right? Yeah,
0: yeah. he he gets um, he gets hit with some kind of uh, not rebar, but uh, uh, maybe like um,
2: not an arrow, but it's just like a like a, like a piece of metal. Like yeah. A, a, thankfully for him, it's the straightest, cleanest piece of metal ever. Yeah. <laughs> so he's able to extract it. If you've ever seen what a piece of shrapnel ever looks like, actually looks like, it does not look like that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> we'll accept it though because we get such an awesome sequence where he he does surgery on himself.
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah. But you have a really awesome moment though where uh, it, it, even after that injury, uh, you know the little the little short round kid gets shot in the leg, and you get a, an awesome sequence where uh, Rambo is carrying the kid in, on a one shoulder. And and firing back at at the enemy combatants with the gun on his in his other hand, which is pretty pretty hardcore. It's, I think it's that's kind of a staple uh, Rambo action moment that people know him for.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, another thing I want to mention at this point is the Jerry Goldsmith score. Jerry Goldsmith returned from his work on uh, First Blood Part Two and First Blood, and I think the Jerry Goldsmith music. Adds so much to this franchise and to this movie in particular, and his score, his style is so well suited for this type of film. I'm not sure if either one of you have any feelings on it, but uh, if you want to talk about it, let's talk about it now.
2: Jeff Ferry, yeah, he, I mean he definitely fits in with this. He's like got that very that bombastic thing going on. It's like it, most. I will say this: most of the music's not too in your face. Yeah. Just Once in a while, when you hear the I mean, for lack of a better word, the Rambo music. Yeah, you get the like, first blood callback, the the theme. Yeah. Um And I love the way that he weaves that in and out at different points. Yeah, and it's just like a little, just like a little, uh, little flourish he does now and then. Like I didn't notice the music too much, except for like you know it's keeping you in with the scene. But that's usually a good thing. I would say if you're doing plus and minuses of the movie, like the the Goldsmith score is definitely a plus.
0: Yeah. The one thing I've noticed is if you're ever watching an action movie. And you turn the sound off, um, of course you're going you're gonna to see all the great work that the editors do, but you're also going to see that you're missing all the great work that a really, really good um, composer like Goldsmith does. Jeff Hewlett, any, any feelings on, on the music in this movie?
1: I'm pretty much in line with you guys. I think it's it, it falls into that if a if a movie score is so good that it melds in perfectly and doesn't detract from what you're watching and doesn't overpower anything, it's a really good score. And I think this score fits that bill perfectly. I mean, you, all you, the only time you really notice it, like it's exactly what Jeffery said, is when you hear those the 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 familiar uh, Rambo theme, quote unquote, playing around in the background there, usually in the moments of triumph more more than anything else.
0: Yeah. And I, I really, really love the fact that they they returned to Goldsmith um, for all the sequels. And unfortunately, he wasn't able to do um, the last movie because um, he had an untimely passing. He was uh, battled cancer and unfortunately lost. So at this point, we have, um, I guess, Rambo breaks off from his guide and the little boy. And this is where he's off on his own. And we notice that he still got a piece of shrapnel in him and he removes it. And then he I don't even know how to explain it. He uses um, what some gunpowder to basically cauterize the the entire
2: wound. Jeff Ferry, do you want to sort of explain what goes on here? I mean, it's it's a truly magical scene. I, I mean, <laughs> I've heard of, I've heard of cauterization of wounds on the outside. <laughs> to, and that's what I thought he was going to do. I was like, okay, he's going to pull this out, and I thought he was going to stick the knife in the fire and basically burn it shut. I mean it does work. It is possible. I just didn't know he was – I mean he literally pours – it's like the gunpowder goes through his body because when he lights it, it lights on his back and goes through his body. Great effect yeah. too. I, I don't know how
0: they did it, but it looks amazing.
2: I mean the the follow-up to that story is like um, at the very end of the movie, there should be a little thing that says – by the way, Rambo died three days later of sepsis. <laughs>
1: yeah, really.
0: <laughs> uh, the, the one thing I really liked about that sequence, though, is it showed after the fact you see, oh, wow, Rambo was in really, really rough shape here. And not only did he work through the limitation of that injury, but he also worked through that pain. And we, we even get a joke about, you know, Troutman... Telling, you know, t- training him to disregard pain. But I, I thought the scene was really good in, in that sense, and it really made you say, "Wow, you know, Rambo was doing all this stuff, and he was really, really in in a bad way." Uh, Jeff Hewlett, anything to to add on top of what um, Jeff and myself uh, had to say?
1: Yeah, I think this scene reinforces how great Sly is at acting out pain. Yes, I think all through the scene, before, during, and after the removal of the, of the piece of shrapnel as he's pushing it through, the facial expressions, the trembling, there's nothing that happens in that scene where it would make me, it would convince me that he's not actually in pain. Because it's amazing. And I watched, actually it and watched it twice, just to make sure that there was nothing weird going on. I just could not believe how, how great he is at portraying that level of extreme pain.
0: Yeah, it's really tapping into something, and uh, you're completely on point there, and, and it's definitely something that a lot of people probably don't give Stallone credit for. So now we basically have the one man on a mission. He's Rambo's truly alone now. He is going back to get Troutman. Um, he's broken off from his Afghan um, support, and he goes in the jail, and this time he gets Troutman out, and I guess at this point they were they were going to kill Troutman. It, it, you know, they have the flamethrower ready. Mm-hmm. Um, unless I'm mistaken, they were going to kill him, right? I think so. Yeah, That's what I think. <laughs> yeah, so Rambo saves the day, and and rescues um, Troutman. They they get out, and then we have a really 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 cool sequence, which is Rambo and Troutman are down in these caves. And you have a whole sequence where the Russian army follows them down into these caves, and you have the you know the head Russian up in the helicopter sort of demanding answers, and the guys are getting picked off and I just thought it was such a unique setting, and it really um it really felt like that is where Rambo really needs to be. I almost oh, yeah. got you know callbacks. Of him um, in the first movie, being down in the mine shaft. Um, oh yeah, Jeff Hewlett. Um, do you want to uh, dig into that a little more?
1: Oh yeah, definitely. This is my absolute favorite part of this entire movie. It's it, you finally get to see the Rambo you know and love, and uh, this is this is where you, I think you get the. For me, I got the most Rambo satisfaction. Uh, if you will, you know, you always have those satisfying moments in Rambo flicks where he's doing cool stuff. And I, this for me is the best part where, you know, he's he's ducking out of shadows, grabbing guys, breaking necks, popping out from behind rocks, shooting people with bows and arrows, uh, you know, blowing stuff up. And, you know, you got the frustration of the uh, the the Russian leader, which actually I wanted to say real quick that you got to hand it to that Russian leader because he's an actual real hands on guy. He's, you know, he's in the gunplay. He's he's in the helicopter on scene he's not back at the base barking out orders on radio Like he's not afraid to get into the into the fray himself so yeah. that's kind of different than some uh you know uh, evil leaders we've seen other action movies where they kind of sit back and let all their lackeys do it so you know you get a lot of great moments where you know like you said craig they're throwing back to that first rambo movie where he's creeping around a lot and even parts of rambo too, where he's sneaking through the brush and doing that type of stuff so uh to me this is my absolute favorite uh scene in the entire flick even even the questionable napalm drop into the hole where rambo just gets out of the the way in time before he gets drenched with fire water
2: yeah jeff ferry yeah, I would have to say this is definitely my uh, my favorite sequence in the movie, and it was I remembered nothing about it. Like I, I did not remember the scene at all. They went into the caves. And I was like, well, this is this is interesting. This is yeah, this is something different. It's not. I mean, we've all seen movies where the action hero sneaks around a house or a neighborhood or through the jungle, but you don't see a lot in caves. And it was interesting how he did it. And you know, they gave Troutman just enough to help him out and save him. I will make a uh, a mention of the Russian commander now that his name has come up. Um, I think he stinks.
3: Oh, no. <laughs> he he is,
2: does. He is a – not only is he a horrible character, I, I, he is so unbelievably forgettable. Yeah. He – I mean I would have killed to have a stronger actor in that role. I would have rather yeah. – I wish they would have had um, the guy with the, the mole on his head from the, the second movie here. <laughs> the guy that was the bad guy in Beverly Hills Cop, whose name I'm not going to come up with now. Mm. I would rather have him. I mean, you needed like just the way this movie was set up. Like this guy was set up as like a real antagonist, like a real a f- kind of a force to be dealt with. And it was just like, yeah, this guy was eh. like, it's like it's like they forgot to cast the role until the day before and like just get some Russian guy in here. <laughs> <laughs> well, the Russian that does count
0: here really is the big Russian that Rambo fights once they leave the cave. Um and Rambo had sort of blown up one of uh, somebody that this big Russian used as sort of armor or protection. And as Troutman and Rambo were getting away, um we get that, you know, aha scare moment from the Russian. And we have a pretty physical fight between Rambo and this big Russian and the one thing I really like about the fight is there's some real grappling going on and it almost seems like really sort of at least cinematically early you know integration of like MMA type uh, you know grappling where Rambo is you know really sort of wrapped around the guy it ends with a bear hug where Ram- Rambo g- gets a hold of a a grenade on the guy's vest and pulls the pin um, and then gives him this great, you know, kick to the chest, and the guy falls down the hole, and he's basically um, hanging by his neck, and then he explodes, which is just such like <laughs> that's the stand up and cheer in the audience moment. Um, mm. Jeff Hewlett, any any feelings on that? Uh, the big Russian fight.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, the 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 fight is really good. Like you said, it's the the grappling is excellent, and you know, you you once again you you feel that. You know, Rambo could lose, right? He's he's close to losing. He, as he's in the bear hug at the and near the end of the fight, he's kind of looks like he's starting to pass out almost from the pain because I guess the the bear hug is right around where that that wound is that he quarter right? So the the pain has got to be amplified uh, quite a bit, and he's having trouble grabbing the vest. But we've seen that that used in so many different action movies. That whole you know pull the pull the grenade pin that's hanging on the guy's you know flak jacket. And then you know you kind of look up and it was the same. Remember uh, near the end of Raising Arizona, yeah, now they use that where he pulls the the grenade pin from the biker guy and he turns over and he's holding the pin up. But that that's been reused so many times. Another one of the things that Stallone kind of brought into the the action genre that's been uh, you know kind of taken uh, and relived over and over. But the the death of the guy is one of the most over the top deaths in any Rambo movie to up until this point. I mean, there's some stuff that goes on in the fourth one. That's absolutely insane. But this death is so over the top crazy that the guy you see, his neck looks like it breaks. He's got a weird funky look on his face. And then you get this wide shot of the inside of the caves. You can see his guts and entrails explode (laughs) everywhere.
2: Yes. Uh, Jeff Ferry. Yeah. It was like that there was an argument on set. Like, Well, no, uh, we're going to wrap this thing around his neck and then break his neck. Well, you know, but we still have this pyrotechnic left that we haven't used yet. And Stallone was like, ah, we'll just do them both. (laughs) All right, (laughs) I'll pull the pin, (laughs) blow him up, and break his neck all at the same time. Yeah,
0: very, very funny. So now we pretty much lead to the, the, the final climax of the movie where Troutman and Rambo are in the desert, and they are now faced by seemingly the entire Russian army. There's tanks, there's helicopters, there's men on foot, and they're being asked to surrender. And finally, Troutman says, what should we do? Rambo says, F it. And they engage the Russian army, and thankfully, there is a pit that they can drop into to to protect themselves from all of this gunfire. Um, And then... We have um, another great Hollywood moment where the Afghan uh, resistance comes in to help save the day. And then we have a really amazing sequence. Uh, I can't think of any other way to describe it, but amazing where Rambo is in a tank and we have the Russian commander in his helicopter and they are playing chicken with each other. And Rambo um, wins after they collide. Um, there's a lot that goes on in the sequence, so I want to throw it out there for whatever you guys want to talk about in this sequence. Um, Jeff Ferry, this
2: is a scene that desperately needed an editor. Yeah, <laughs> because it's it's a little hard to understand what's going on, and a lot of it is completely insane. I mean, there's some good stuff in there. There's some you know good stuff going on. I mean, there's some un Unbelievable things like when a Rambo takes around from the hind helicopter. Yeah, if you got shot from a hind helicopter, you wouldn't have to worry about it because your leg would be off. <laughs> okay. But I understand it's a Rambo movie. I'm sure it's a flesh wound and he'll be fine. But yeah, I mean it almost – when it gets up to the tank helicopter scene, I mean that's when this Rambo movie slides dangerously close to like satire because <laughs> – no matter how much I want to buy in, at no point are a helicopter and a tank <laughs> going to crash into each other in that way. <laughs> I mean I love Rambo and it's – I mean in one way it's amazing and I love it. But in another part it's just like, listen, you know, you pushed it almost too far at this point. Like I—you, this character was very – I mean go back to First Blood. This character was very believable. Yeah. And now you're getting out of control at this point. he He ran into a helicopter – with a tank, a tank that goes thirty miles an hour on the ground, hit a helicopter, a vehicle that can fly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jeff Hewlett.
1: Oh man, I completely and totally agree with Jeff Ferry on this. This for me is th- this entire sequence. It it's almost impossible for me to suspend my disbelief because there's so many moment after moment after moment where. Uh, I mean, even the, the 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 start of it, where Rambo fires uh, that 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 grenade from his his that gun he's carrying and blows up a truck from a, what a, a seems to be an impossible distance away, uh, before they dive into the trench. Um, this is it's it's almost like a Lord of the Rings style ending, isn't it? With some big giant battle, where you have two armies clashing together and all of this these ridiculous heroics going on. Uh, you know, Rambo once again gra- grabs a horse from somewhere. And he's riding across the battlefield, and someone just happens to have a Molotov cocktail to hand to him like he's a marathon runner reaching for a <laughs> bottle of water, right? And you see oh, this slow-mo Rambo with his hair flowing and his Molotov cocktail in his hand. Like, he's going to take out a freaking tank with a Molotov cocktail. And he winds up just kind of throwing it on the back of the tank. He's like, poof, there's a little fire. And that's about it. Yeah, and- and then, but then the guys bail out of the tank like it matters. Yes. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> <laughs> and you know, I I agree. It's it, it's almost it borders on satire. And you know, I I was actually really surprised, knowing how involved Sly was in in you know he wrote all of this stuff. Out. I was really surprised that he had both Troutman and Rambo get shot. Yeah. In this scene, I would have thought that both of them would have come out unscathed with some bumps and scrapes. So kudos to Sly for at least writing that part in. And, and making them both get hit in this giant melee of bullets that I can't imagine anybody wouldn't get hit. You'd have to have the luck of the lottery winner to not get hit in that, in that crossfire. And <laughs> I, I can't even expand on the tank and helicopter thing. I think Ferry took care of that.
0: Yeah. The one thing for me, though, is, and, you know, Ferry, you sort of said, how did we get here from First Blood? Yeah. And this movie only works with First Blood Part Two as a bridge. You can't, you know, this is a series that really works um, where you have to connect the dots. There's some series where you can watch um, one entry without the other. But here, you can't make the leap from First Blood to Rambo 3 <laughs> without crossing the bridge that is Rambo First Blood Part 2. God, no. So, we basically, we get our ending. The The Russian commander is dead. Um, the 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 Afghan rebels... Um, chase the Russians away. Rambo had given the little boy um, his jade necklace that he had gotten from the woman in Vietnam that he was going to bring to America with him. Yeah, and then he basically just tells the kid he can keep it, which um, I don't know. I had a slight problem with, but overall, um, I, I like the the wrap of this uh, wrap up of this movie. Um, we do get a little bit of a corny, almost like a lethal weapon. You know we're we're getting too old for this type of joke, which which didn't really sit too well with me. But overall, I thought this movie um, started strong and ended strong. Um, Jeff Hewlett, thoughts on the end of Rambo Three?
1: Yeah, I, I kind of had a little different bit of a take on the ending. I felt the end was kind of weak. Uh, I, I the beginning's good. I I thought the that whole kind of like buddy ending with them riding off into the sunset kind of reminded me or sort of the, the end of the Last Crusade. Indiana Jones and Last Crusade, where they're all kind of, you know, riding off into the sunset, yep. goofing around, and like, you know, they just came. They, both of them are injured, possibly grievously, and you know, they're kind of like, oh yeah, man, we're getting too old for this. And it just seemed. Yeah, I, I agree with you completely on the necklace thing. I think that was the only real throwback uh, to Rambo 2, and I love the fact that they kept that that element and that he was still wearing it, and he had that connection to that. And I I I cannot believe that he would just give that up. Yeah. Especially after he told the kid he couldn't have it earlier in the movie. <laughs> yes. Right? And you know, and the kid was probably the sole reason why he didn't rescue Troutman the first time around. <laughs> yeah. So why move. is he giving this kid his prized possession? For God's sake.
2: Uh, Jeff Ferry. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, Yeah, the only only other uh, ties to the other movies really are – I mean obviously you have Troutman in it. But like he's got all the wounds from his earlier injuries. That's about the only thing they tied back to it. But yeah, I mean it would have been better if he would have kept the necklace and given the kid something else. You could have had something else come up during the movie like, hey, I mean maybe not his knife. But like give him something else, just some other little trinket. Be like, oh, well, you can't have this, but hold on to this. This will be good luck for you. But uh, I mean I honestly think by this point they probably didn't care. They were like, whatever. He's like, it doesn't matter. Just give the kid something. Yeah, give him that. No one will ever notice. And, we're like, we were talking about how to get to this movie, you need part two to bridge to it. But I would contend that you can drop Rambo three from the series and go one, two, four and have no problem. For sure. And it just rides right along. Like, part four makes perfect going off of two.
1: Oh, yeah, Three's totally.
2: the only one. Like, yeah, this is the only one where you're like – and like, like I said at the beginning, him – The stick fighting being with the monks, that makes sense. But like the end where he's joking around and like, haha wasn't this a good time? No, that's not how your character has been for three movies. Like, why are you acting this way? You're not Arnold Schwarzenegger. You're not even – you're not Stallone in The Expendables, which this is the kind of crap that he does where you would have been like, oh, okay, that's how he acts. (laughs) Like you're supposed to be like this solemn, doesn't want to get involved. (laughs) Now Yeah, now at the end, I thought it was going to – you were going to hear that saxophone score and it was going to go to the end of Lethal Weapon. (laughs)
0: It's almost as bad we get, um, what, Bill Medley doing He's Not Heavy, He's My Brother.
1: God. Yeah. (laughs) The worst song in a credit sequence that I can think of, especially on an action movie.
0: I just don't understand it.
1: I don't either, man.
0: There's got to be a story. I mean, why couldn't we at least get a Frank Stallone song there or something? I was
1: going to say that, yeah.
0: Yeah. All right, guys. So we're pretty much at the end of Rambo 3 now. and. We talked about it a little at the beginning, um, but I guess final thoughts, and I got to say that with the exception of the, the tonal problems and some of the uh, scripting problems, I, I think this is the most I've enjoyed watching Rambo 3 out of all the times I've watched it. And I don't know if that's because we've been doing this podcast for a year now. And we've sort of really immersed ourselves in Stallone, and I'm just caught up in that. Um, But for me, this movie played a lot better than I ever remember it playing. And I I wouldn't say it's a great movie, and I would still rank it rather low on the Rambo scale. Um, But I think there is some exciting action sequences, some really well-shot action sequences, and some really interesting stuff that goes on character-wise for Rambo, even if it is subtle. I think some of it pays off in that, ne- in the next movie, Rambo, John Rambo, Rambo four, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> but mm-hmm. we will talk about that when we get to that movie, uh, way down the line. Um, Jeff Hewlett final thoughts on Rambo three.
1: Agree with you completely that I think for me, the reason why it played better, uh, in this watch, because I was watching it with an analytical eye. I never had sat down and watched this movie. uh, so expressly looking for uh, good points and bad points, you know. I kind of just rank the movie overall as a as a you know the bottom of the barrel Rambo movie. But in, in this time I watched it, I was watching for high and low points specifically, and thinking about well, what do I like about this movie and what do I not like about this movie, and that's why I think for me this time around felt a little bit better and the movie played a little bit better. Uh, the the stunt work again, like I mentioned before, the stunt work by Stallone is exceptional. In this movie, and I love the fact that you clearly see him, and they made it a point to show the audience that it's him doing all these things, so you can really truly appreciate, you know, Stallone as an actor and as a stuntman, and how talented the guy really, really is. And I think for me, that's why I I, I was looking forward to doing this uh, tonight with you guys, because we this is the celebration part. Uh, you know, we did a lot of the analytical part where we kind of picked apart some of the weaker points of the film. But this, for me, is the celebration part where I can look and say, uh, you know, all the great stunt work, the the great acting uh, with the pain sequence during the the quarterization of the wound that we talked about earlier. I think is a a great example of of his nonverbal acting skills and how he can convey that pain. we've seen that in Rocky movies before. We've seen it in other Rambo movies and some of his other action films. Great stuff there. And you know that for me, it kind of over overshadows some of the weaker points of the film. And it's still, I don't think it's going to go up in the rotation as much as uh one, two and four, or even one and four, actually, because two for me is a little less than one and four in the rankings. But yeah, I, I may not go another 10 plus years without watching Rambo three again. It may be a shorter time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Especially when I guess last blood finally comes, comes up. Maybe uh, you'll be inclined to sit down and marathon the whole series. Oh yeah,
1: absolutely. We're doing it.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know what? We should all get together and do that. That would be... uh, We should. That would be awesome. And who knows? Maybe even have a a tape running. Um, Jeff Ferry, um, Rambo 3, final thoughts.
2: Well, I mean, I beat this uh, movie down pretty bad while we were talking. But, I mean, it's not... I think what hurts this movie is not all this movie's fault. A lot of the reason why this movie is so low is because I feel the other movies are so high. This is also the only movie in the series where... I feel like there's a lot of interchangeable parts. If you pull Rambo out of this movie and you put in Chuck Norris, Arnold Schwarzenegger, I think the movie still works because yep. it's just such a typical movie. Yeah, you can't do that with one, two, or four. It has to be Rambo. It's the <laughs> only way that that movie works because he has a background. He's got this guy is too typical action hero, like especially with the quips at the end, and he's getting along with people, and it, it, he's out of character. It's almost like I know this isn't how it went down, at least I don't think it is, I'd have to ask Matt, I guess, to know for sure. But it's almost like they wrote a script for an action movie and then they were like, Well, let's just make it a Rambo movie, and then they made it into a Rambo movie. Yeah. And they didn't take everything out. Again, it's not it's not terrible. It's just a much more it's a very average eighties movie. If you sat down and watched a dozen other movies, they're very simple. They got their high points, they got their low points. I think all the actors do a fine job except for the Russian commander. He stinks. (laughs) like um you know it's got a good score but then it's got like i think it's got a bad ending it kind of drags it's too long but it starts off really good so it's got its high and it's low points but i would say at the end it probably balances out to like the middle yeah but i think like most people if you were gonna sit down if i was like hey you know what i'm feeling like a rambo movie tonight i i can't imagine any circumstance where i'm like let's watch rambo three yeah, like You would always be like, well, I'd probably watch one or two or four. <laughs> yeah.
0: And, and who knows? Maybe there are people out there in our listening audience that Rambo 3 is the movie that sort of was their Rambo movie. They were at yeah. the right age for a Rambo movie. So chime in over on our Facebook group or over on our Twitter, and all the links to those are, are in our show notes here. We love interacting with the fans um, of the show and of Stallone, and we've had some really, really great discussions. Um but, um, Jeff, I think you hit on something, Jeff Ferry. Um, I think where Rambo was in terms of pop culture um, between First Blood Part Two, which was, what, 85, and this, which was 88, culturally, at that point, the president is quoting Rambo. Um, so Rambo was really, really popular. And it's amazing that we got such a violent movie out of such a commercial property. And it really shows the differences between Hollywood then and Hollywood now because there's no way that Rambo 3, um, with the the monetary investment and the commercial appeal of Rambo, would have been rated R if if they made that movie today. And it's a pretty violent movie.
2: Yeah, 108 deaths on screen.
0: Yeah, wow. And and I think it was a record for the series until uh, part four, of course, (laughs) which has that glorious bloodbath at the end. (laughs) <laughs> alright guys so I think that's the end of Rambo 3 and I gotta say as always this has been a really great discussion I've really enjoyed uh, running the movie down with you guys um, going through it, picking it apart, celebrating it, analyzing it and, and coming out on the other end with maybe if nothing else a little bit more of an appreciation than any of us had prior and I know looking ahead that Jeff Hewlett you are going to be very interested in our next episode where next month we will be talking Lockup. Up.
1: Yes, I am very, very excited to be talking Lock Up with you guys. It is one of my favorite uh, non-franchise Stallone flicks. And uh, if you guys have another minute or two, yeah. I have a, a little thing that I stumbled across in doing my research for uh, this Rambo 3 episode that I'd love to read out to the audience and, uh, and, and see what you guys' reaction to it is.
0: Yeah, awesome. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, so I, I was Googling around looking for different interviews and things and, and I kind of stumbled across this. It's a, a reference to a video game and I, maybe, I don't know if either of you guys have ever played it, but I'm sure somebody in our audience has played it and and, and it's a, it's called World of Warcraft. And I guess these guys that, that make this game are kind of uh, uh, notorious for putting homages uh, to pop culture things and and references in the game for users to find and players to find. And I found out that there's an entire... Uh, sequence that players can play through that is a complete homage to Rambo uh, with elements from the first few movies. And it's very, very detailed and has a lot of different cues taken from each of the movies. And um, I, I guess I'm not sure where these things are in the game, but I guess if you're playing in, a, in, a, in the, the human area, this is more of a, I guess it's a like a Lord of the Rings kind of fantasy thing. And what they did was they took the Rambo character, uh, they kind of changed his name a little bit and they made him a prisoner of war of these orcs instead of being a prisoner of war, uh, you know, overseas. And so what happens is a player would goes into this town and he runs into a guy named, named Colonel Trotman and he <laughs> sends you into this, uh, this CD inn, and you go into the basement and there's, uh, Rambo, uh, stick fighting. And, uh, he, he you're, you're, you're trying to convince him to, to join the war effort again and help save this village. Uh, under the, the command of Colonel Trotman and Rambo will not help you until you go and rescue his uh, imprisoned members of his Bravo company who are still alive uh, being held by these orcs and the, the names of the guys are Messner, Jorgensen, Krakauer and Danforth which is a, <laughs> a throwback to you know Rambo's company some of his company members so you have to go and you have to rescue his company members and you also have to recover his his bow his red bandana, and his knife for him before he'll go into war with you. And, you know, you, you get all this stuff back. He agrees to go fight with you. And uh, you, you go to this, uh, I guess there's a, I'm just kind of reading through what, what the, the thing is here. And you get on, uh, he gets on the back of it. You're driving this vehicle. He gets on the back of it. It's got a chain gun. And he just screams, ah, and he's blowing away, you know, tons and tons and tons and tons of, of, uh, of the enemy combatants. <laughs> and at the end of the fight, he winds up getting uh, into a, an altercation with a giant dragon, and uh, both him and the dragon are in their death throes. And as uh, Rambo is getting eaten by this dragon, he's and they both go into this lake and crash into the water, and their bodies are never recovered. So there's this big mystery at the end. But I actually found a YouTube video of part of it being played through, so I'll send that to you, Craig, uh, so you can link it to the show notes so people can see this. Awesome. And it's, I thought that was really cool. That uh, the, these guys that make this, this video game, you know, liked Rambo so much that they included this whole big, uh, you know, quest campaign for people to play through with a lot of different cues uh, that are pretty accurate to the to the movies.
0: Yeah, and and that also kind of speaks to the influence that '80s action movies probably had on the people that are creating games today because they didn't really have a lot to work with. Not to say that video games um, in the '80s weren't great because they were. But in terms of um, storytelling and action, there was only really one way to, to learn how to do that for video games, and that was through cinema. So that's really great to see that influence sort of carried over and that they were able to, uh, to share that with, uh, with, with gamers. That's, that's a really, really cool story. Thank you for that.
1: Sure, sure. I hope, uh, you know, if anybody in our listening audience has actually done this and played this game or played through this, I'd love to hear uh, some more details because the, the write up that I read is very um, cursory. So I'm sure there's a lot more that goes on. And I'd love to hear some of this stuff.
0: Yeah, we'll follow up on it if and when we we get more information. So, uh, so very cool. We will include that in the show notes. And I guess, guys, this brings us to the end of another SlyCast, another successful Sly- SlyCast. The first of 2015, and we were never um, anticipating being here for a second year. We had scheduled the show out to be originally <laughs> – our original plans were 13 episodes and – We, I guess halfway through last year, we decided we were going to extend it to an ongoing show just because the response was so great, and we were having so much fun. So uh, thank you for joining us, Um, and we are looking forward to delivering another 11 exciting episodes for you in 2015 and even more beyond that. So um, until next time, I am Craig Cohen with Jeff Hewlett and Jeff Berry, and thanks for listening to Slycast, the Sylvester Stallone fan podcast. But I'm strong,
2: strong enough to care him. He ain't him. He's
0: my.